Hey there, I'm Tony Ann, and I have an overwhelming passion to help moms navigate motherhood without the overwhelm. I went from struggling with motherhood and losing my identity to being productive and living out my version of being a happy mom. On the Real Happy Mom podcast, I interview real moms and experts to help you navigate raising children, self-care, time management, and so much more. So if you're ready to get rid of the overwhelm and start being a real happy mom, join me inside the Real Happy Mom podcast. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Real Happy Mom Podcast. I am so glad that you are tuning in today. Now, I will be honest with you that this particular episode is a pretty heavy topic, and I want to do some trigger warnings and let you know that we do discuss loss. We do talk about pregnancy loss in particular, loss of a parent, um, And I want to make sure that you know that so that if that is a topic that is triggering for you, that you can go ahead and move on to another episode to listen to today, because that is not what I want to do um, to you. I really want this episode to help you if you are going through grief of losing anything in particular, not just a loved one, if you are going through grief from losing your home, through um, going through grief because of a divorce, um, losing a friend or family member, whether it be um, physically they're gone or you guys just aren't dealing with each other anymore, or even with this pandemic that's going on, we're, we're losing the freedom that we once had. Um, grief comes with so many different things. And that is one thing that I learned through my guest today. Kwani. She is going to be really breaking down grief and showing us how we can grieve well. So in this episode, we talked quite a bit. We had some really good conversations. She really was schooling me on some things that I did not know about when it comes to grief, because let's just be real. like We don't talk about grief and we don't talk about how to deal with it. And so she shares with us in this episode some of the major losses that she's had and how um, she's experienced grief with the last of her mother, um, as well as when she got married, and then also after um, losing a pregnancy. She then shared with us how we can actually start to grieve well. Like, what does that mean? How does that look like in our lives? And some of the kind of red flags to look for if someone isn't grieving well. And if that person is you, some of the things that you need to be paying attention to so that you can reach out and get help because grief is one thing that you are not meant to do by yourself. And then uh, lastly, she shares with us um, some of the ways that we can do better with grief and really just kind of learn from grief. Because that's one thing that I learned from Corny is that, you know, grief is a teacher if you actually let it. And it teaches us that, you know, we appreciate it, something we love something. And I never really thought about it like that, but I hope that you see this today. And I hope this episode helps you with your healing, with whatever you are grieving because of something that you've lost. So I am going to stop talking and let you hear this awesome episode with Kwani. So let's go ahead and jump on in. All right. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yes. We were just talking a few seconds ago and I was telling you, I was not going to give up until you were a guest on the podcast. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you didn't. Yes, because you have a very unique message and a very 
um, it's a message that I think we need to hear more of because we don't like to talk about these things. But before we jump into our topic, I just wanted you to share a little bit about you and what you do. Sure. So my name is Quantrilla. My friends call me Quani. Um, I am also now Dr. Ard. I have had the pleasure of obtaining my doctoral degree um, in health psychology. And what I currently do is advocate and, um, you know, educate in the arena of Black maternal mortality and Black infant mortality. So those are the topics that I really try to engage in, um, especially in the social media world, because that's where the people are. So I share to bring awareness and enlightenment to people on the topic that A, it exists, and that B, we have to do something about it. So that's the main thing. I'm also a wife and a mom. Uh, we just, our family just moved back to the Atlanta area. So we are trying to navigate all the things in the midst of a pandemic. We're also homeschooling, so that's fun. And uh, so, you know, we just kind of have our hands in several cookie jars and, you know, we're we're taking our time as, as much as we can and, uh, and doing the best as the Lord provides. So that's a little bit about us or me. Yes. And just curious, your PhD, what did you get your PhD in? Health psychology. Health psychology. Awesome. Awesome. And the only reason why I wanted to bring that up is just to make sure everyone knows, like, you know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> I have a little street cred behind it. So, yeah. Yes. For sure. For sure. Now, one thing that... I think that we're not taught much about is grief. And I think it's one of those emotions that we tend to avoid and try to stay away from. But after talking to you and seeing that this thing is actually a normal response, like grief is something that we all go through and it's okay. And it doesn't necessarily happen when you lose a loved one. Right. But it can also happen when you lose a job or get a terminal diagnosis or a natural disaster or a pandemic happens. Like yeah. all these different things can cause grief. So I want to first talk to you about what experiences have led you to help others with grief. Yeah. So I've had quite a few opportunities uh, to exercise the grieving well process. Uh, the first major loss I experienced was uh, when my mother passed away from a terminal illness. I had just graduated college. You know, life was ahead of me. And, you know, then I have to endure this huge blow. Um, and then I'm an only child on top of it. So, you know, there was a lot of family dynamics that changed. There were just challenges that I did not know how to navigate. And, you know, this is right on the cusp of becoming an adult and trying to figure out what my next steps were. So I felt very lost and confused. And, you know, there were so many different emotions. Um, and then on top of that, uh, she was very much my best friend and spiritual mentor. Uh, so I had to kind of reevaluate my faith life, you know, after she passed. And so that was a, a very hard, very hard thing to kind of work through. And honestly, at 40 years old, I'm still working through it because so much of my life happened without her. Um, you know, I, I felt like those 22 years just weren't enough. So that that was the first major loss I experienced. 
Um, and then, you know, there's there's this secondary grief also, um, just to mention this, that comes along with losing a loved one is, you know, depending on how it happens, there's, there's this secondary wave of uh, a fallout that happens, you know, especially when it's a primary family member, you know, so I had to deal with issues with, um, you know, my father, he didn't really know how to Oh, hello, Car. <laughs> he didn't really know how to um, manage her loss. And now he's still trying to take care of me. And so there was a lot of that that was going on as well that kind of added an additional compounding layer of grief on top of that. Um, and that was tough to navigate as well. So it was the initial grief of loss and then the secondary grief of dealing with the fallout of her loss. Um, and so I guess the next, the next situation I kind of had to navigate was, um, and this is going to sound really strange, but being married had a weird kind of uh, grieving effect on me while I was super happy to spend the rest of my life with my husband. Um, the fact that I had to navigate my adulthood in such a weird way um, it really felt odd to leave somewhere that I had finally, you know, placed some roots and, and kind of become my own person to leave that and then start a new life with someone else. So there was a little bit of a grieving of uh, who I was and, and, and leaving that behind, especially in light of not really having a whole deep rooted idea of who I was as a woman because I had lost my mother, right? Right at that little precipice where you're no longer a child and you become a woman. That's when I lost my mom. So there was a lot of that tied into it as well. And then um, let's see, around 2014, um, I had two sons at the time and my husband and I were kind of debating, hey, should we have more kids? Should we not have any more? Um, and in the middle of that debate, I turned up pregnant. <laughs> and I say turned up pregnant because there was not an, uh, an active decision to become pregnant, right? And um, it was a, a surprise. It was, um, <laughs> it was something that we had not planned for. And uh, so we began to make plans. And uh, just almost as soon as we found out, um, we lost the pregnancy. And that was hard because, you know, for, for those who understand what it's like to find out that you are pregnant, for, and, I, and it may not be this way for everyone, but for some of us, there is an instant connection. There is this overwhelming feeling of love and connectedness to this unknown, unborn person that is growing in your body. And it was just as strange as the pregnancy kind of turned up out of nowhere, the loss happened just as suddenly. And it was about a week or two after I found out um, I was pregnant and it was devastating. It was uh, just a shock to my system. And because I had not ever really had conversations with women who had miscarriages, 
miscarriages or any other pregnancy losses, uh, I, I was stunned. I was unprepared and I just thought, well, I had already had kids, so how could this happen? You know, I was not aware of any, you know, infertility issues. It just, I was completely taken by surprise. And so that took a lot to get over. Again, a lot to get over. And then um, the last big thing we experienced, um, going back to your point that you made before, that loss isn't just tied to a loved one. Um, we experienced a huge life altering <laughs> move in the middle of the pandemic uh, last year uh, when we moved from Atlanta, to, um, from Maryland to Atlanta. Um, my husband lost his job suddenly. We had all these issues with a tenant who was renting our home. It was just thing after thing after thing, loss after loss after loss. It literally felt like someone had pulled the rug up from under us and we were just grasping for something to hold on to. And we did find our footing. You know, we, we were like, okay, all roads are leading to Atlanta. And I'm still trying to figure out what in the world happened. Um, so that was a huge loss for me because I just, we had no plans of leaving Maryland. Uh, uh, you know, we were settled in our home. My husband had just got this new job that he lost. I mean, it was just so many things that just happened at the same time. Um, it, it's really like I could write a Lifetime movie. I really could. <laughs> so those were the major losses uh, that I can pinpoint um, in my adult life that I really have started to grapple with. How do we grieve and how do we grieve well and how to help others to do the same? So I know that was a long answer, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. And it was a couple of things I wanted to, to touch on um, because you said a lot of really good stuff. So the major losses that that you touch on were the loss of your mother um, and then the secondary grief of losing your mother. And then, of course, um, being married and getting to that new life mm -hmm. and then with losing um, the pregnancy. And then the last one was um, this huge life altering move. And it's funny that you say that because I have experienced just a little bit of all of this. And I wanted to go back to when you talked about, you know, the grief of being um, when you uh, got married, because that's one thing I think we kind of like, don't talk about it. Or we sleep it under the rug, but I will never forget. I remember the day that um, we moved back to Florida because I met my husband in Nebraska Moved back to Florida. And I remember after our wedding, we were getting stuff ready in the hotel. And I was like, okay, come on, let's go. And he was like, oh, I'm going to go say bye to my siblings. And he's the middle of seven, right? So he goes and says bye to them. And then he comes back to the hotel room and he is bawling in oh the bathroom. God. And I felt so bad. I was like trying to, you know, be a good wife yeah. and console him. And he kind of like pushed me away and was like, no. And that's when I realized like, it's nothing I can do or say that's going to make him feel better I just have to allow him to go through that and yeah. I kind of felt the same way too once we have moved away um because my husband did not want to move back to Tallahassee where I'm from we moved to Jacksonville and I felt the same thing too like what you know I'm not with my family I'm not around my friends like this is just hard and it's one of those things that I didn't even like really have a word to put on it but once you said that I was like oh my goodness that yeah. was me too yeah 
And it was crazy. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't know to look out for that. You know, I mean, of course you, you know, you have this thing in your mind, you're like, oh, we're going to be so happy. You know, we're all we need and just the two of us, excuse me, but there is a, there is a distinct separation from who you were before and who you become as a husband or wife. And I just wasn't, I wasn't prepared. Again, I was not prepared for that. And I remember when we finally got to Maryland again. So these life altering moves, I moved from uh, Birmingham, Alabama to be with him in Maryland. And I remember sitting in the tub and just weeping. And I didn't know what was wrong. I was like, what is going on? And I wept. I don't know how long I wept. But in my mind, I heard God say, you know, it's okay to grieve who you were. It's okay to grieve the loss of that person and, you know, the the separation from family. And these are all things that are kind of like you have to walk through them to connect and cleave to your spouse. And nobody ever talks about that. Nobody ever talks about that. Yeah. All I, all I see is like team us and oh my mm-hmm. God, we're so in love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about that other part no. that's not so pretty. And I'm glad that you brought that up because like I said, I didn't have a word for it, but now it's like clear as day. Like that's exactly what it was. And then too, when you brought up, um, you know, losing the pregnancy too, because this is one thing I've talked about it before, but not very much on the podcast is I did have a miscarriage between my first and second son. Mm-hmm. And one thing I feel like I did not handle it well, I will be honest. I just remember it was very painful mm-hmm. and not physically and emotionally. It was very mm-hmm. painful. And my husband, I could tell he was having a hard time with it. And I just kind of didn't talk about it. And I just moved on. And I told all my family, I was like, um, yeah, I was pregnant, but I'm not anymore. I don't want to talk about it. And that was it. <laughs> and when I look back on it, I'm like, like, dang, girl, like you could have done a little bit better with that. <laughs> One, but, that but that's the thing I wanted to talk to you. Yeah. If you don't have the words, it, it's hard to have that conversation when you don't have the words. And for many of us, especially for moms of color, we've never had that conversation with any family members um, and, and rarely our friends because it's such a taboo topic. It's a personal, private thing. You know, it's it's tough. And, you know, the other thing, too, I was going to tell you, the other thing that I was told was like, oh, these things happen. And I'm like, okay, but it doesn't take away the hurt and the pain. Like, (laughs) I get it. It happens, but it still is painful. (laughs) So that was really hard for me. That's why I was like, I just don't want to talk about it. And I just pretend like it didn't happen. And I like literally pushed it out of my mind so that I didn't have to deal with it, which is not, I don't think that's a good way to deal with things. So that's why I wanted to talk to you in particular, when you talk about grieving well, like, what does that mean? And what does it look like to grieve well? Yeah. So what I have come to experience and what I have seen like walking with others in their grief is that it looks different for everyone, right? I think that we had gotten so tied to the fact that grief just meant 
tears and weeping um, that we really just didn't give people enough space to find out what grief really looks like for them. And then the other thing is we always tell people, oh, it'll get better. Well, listen, grief isn't just like a visitor, you know what I mean, that comes and stays for a couple of weeks and then leaves. Grief is almost like a lifelong partner, you know what I mean? There, that grief is always with you. It's, it, I don't, and this is my personal experience, I don't ever think that grief leaves us. And this is why grieving well is so important um, because if you ignore it, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and, and you know, it becomes a monster that constantly will eat at you. Um, but if you sit with it, right, you acknowledge, you know what, this is how I'm feeling. This is my pain. This is my anguish. Um, that allows you to let grief breathe and expand. It isn't, it isn't just um, a monolithic type situation. Grieving is something that, you know, crosses generations and, and, and ages. And it just is something that we have given a negative connotation. So because we attach it to be negative, we want to get over it or we want to be done with it, right? We want to put time limits on it. We want to say, okay, this is the boundary and no further. Um, but we haven't truly learned to appreciate grief for what it is. And grief is really a teacher. Grief teaches you how much something meant to you, right? It, it illuminates the love that you had in a relationship or maybe, you know, especially for life events, it, it illuminates the appreciation you have for a job or a home or, you know, something you've worked hard for. I mean, when you think about people who have lost their homes, the grief is unexplainable because it's not just the, the shell or the building. It's the loss of the memories. It's a loss of the accomplishment for many, the accomplishment of actually buying a home, right? So it's so much more than we give it uh, space to do. And so grieving well really looks like sitting with it, acknowledging it, and allowing yourself to move through the process of grief and there not be an endpoint to it, right? There not be some type of time stamp that says, okay, you've passed grief 101, you can move on. To allow it to just be and when it comes in waves or when it comes in, you know, just sometimes it comes in waves and sometimes it feels like tsunamis, you know, but allowing grief to do its work, which is to help you remember and to help you appreciate. Um, and yes, there are some losses that are tragic and, you know, we don't necessarily want to focus on things that are you know, painful and, and hurtful. But even doing that, even allowing yourself to remember is a part of the healing process. For some, it's a part of the healing process to not ever return to a situation that would cause you that type of pain. But to allow grief to be a teacher 
to me is one of the the things that we have to do in order to do it well. And whatever it looks like for you, it, it you have to find out what works for you. Because if we all took grief and asked, you know, asked different people to describe what it was like, we will get as many different answers as we have participants. So there isn't a, you know, quote unquote, way to grieve well. But there are some parameters that we can say, hey, this is kind of what it looks like. If you are able to function every day in your in your everyday life and you are not in a position where you can't do certain things like parent or wife. And, and let me qualify this statement. Grief does have um, levels. Okay. So there's the acute grief, right? When it is raw, unfiltered, just slapping you upside the head type grief, right? That type of grief is definitely something that you have to just pause and take a moment to deal with. So it's it's not to say that you don't have moments where you just want to curl up in your bed and, and be there all day. I get that. But what I'm saying is grieving well means that you don't allow the grief to consume you. You don't allow it to govern your life. It is a partner, but it is not an owner. And I think maybe that is the difference that I'm trying to help people discover when we talk about grieving well. Yeah, you said a lot of really good things. The first thing I wanted to touch on and kind of unpack just a little bit is about when you're saying, you know, we all deal with it differently. We all feel it differently. And to grieve well looks different for each person. But I know that, um, yeah, it may be on an individual level, things look different. But I wanted you to talk about some different um, instances where people are not grieving well. Like, what does that look like? Are they like lashing out on people? Are they just staying in their room, being depressed? Like, what does that really look like? like when you're not grieving well um hold on let me close this window because <laughs> no problem coming by today right now <laughs> um so yes so there are some things of course you do want to look out for um when people are just not not able to manage their grief well uh some of that is like i was saying if they're not functioning um at just basic normal capacity, right? If they haven't showered in a week, uh, if they're not engaging in things that bring them joy uh, from time to time. And, And again, like I said, you know, you have to take that with knowing each person's personality and that kind of thing too. I mean, if people aren't typically, um, you know, going out to party or whatever every night, then of course you don't expect them to party again when they're grieving. So it it really does depend on the person, but, you know, look and see if they are um, engaging in behaviors that are harmful Um, and, and not necessarily like, you know, hurting themselves or whatever, but harmful in a way where they're not able to live their lives. Right. So Um, Staying in your bed every now and then because you're just having a a, a rough day, you know, work, gotcha. But staying in your bed for two weeks, 
that, you know, saying that's kind of not managing grief well. And a lot of times we manage grief on our own because we don't want to burden other people. Right. But we need community. We need other people to kind of send up signal flares for us like, oh, gosh, it has been two weeks since I've answered a phone call or has been a month since I've you know shown up at, you know, my favorite place or whatever. So uh, those types of things, uh, conversations that don't kind of, you know, make sense, um, conversations that are very dark and, um, you know, aren't laced with some kind of hope. And again, you know, with grief, there is no time limit, but just looking at how this person is conducting themselves every day, because you want to be sure that while they're in the throes of grief, that they are not crossing over into uh, depression. And of course, at that point, you know, you absolutely need um, a trained, you know, objective person to come in and assist. And, And sometimes the grief does get to a point where it does lead to that. And you do need to get some help. So there are some some red flags that you can kind of look and say, hey, uh, maybe this is a little more than grief. Maybe this is something we should go see someone about. So, yeah, anytime you're seeing that someone is not really uh, functioning well, you know, even the small things, eating on a regular basis, um, you know, fixing meals uh, for their family or, you know, engaging with their family, uh, engaging with other children. And this is a, a big one, especially for moms who have other children um, who have experienced, you know, miscarriage or pregnancy loss. For me, it was kind of a detachment from the children that I did have. And I was like, whoa, um, you know, I, I really need to take a look at how I'm managing my grief. So I hope that answers your question a little bit. Yes, yes. No, that was very, very helpful. And you made me think about another thing, which was um, there was a conversation that I had with another guest on the podcast, because when the p- pandemic initially happened and everything was shut down, I think a lot of people were going through some um, some of the stages of grief, but they didn't know that that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And at the time of this recording, it will be almost a year since things started shutting down and I know that we are still kind of grieving the life that we once had so I'm just wondering how we can find some healing when we're grieving especially with something like a pandemic Um, you know pandemic is a special situation right Um, most of us and I do say most um, because you know I don't know if I know of anyone close to 100 years old at this point but most of us don't remember the last one, right? So this is a new thing for us. And um, the absence of, again, being able to do the things that bring you joy um, really can set anybody off into a cycle of grief. And um, for me, to find hope in a pandemic or really in any situation that is involving some level of grief is to remember the things that do bring you joy. And I keep saying joy because 
it's not necessarily happiness, right? Where we're laughing and, you know, whatever, but joy is an inherent contentment. And of course, the difference between happiness is happiness is situational, right? There's things that can make you happy. There are people that can make you happy. Um, But once those things leave, so does the happiness. And so joy is different in that it is a a contentment that's not contingent on a person, place, or thing. And so to me, that's why I always go back to joy. Um, So to find that in the middle of a pandemic or to find that in the middle of any hard and difficult situation means that you're going to have to take some introspection, you know? What are the things that are going to bring me joy in spite of this pandemic, in spite of this hard thing, in spite of my loss, in spite of my grief? Because again, you know, grief is, it's not a visitor, you know, it it lingers with us, it stays with us. Um, So we have to look internally to say, you know, is there something that I can tether myself to that will hold me up, that will give me that hope if we are in this pandemic any longer uh, or if the pandemic goes away sooner. Either way, we have to find something that we can really attach our hope to. And so that can be anything as simple as, you know, finding books to read or, you know, just at least standing outside and letting the sun hit your face. Um, You know, most some people have taken up baking or, you know, cooking or uh, writing. You know, there's so many different ways to explore your creativity or expand Um, your creativity in times of of grief and loss. And specifically with this pandemic, you know, we have a mixture of physical loss where we're losing people, you know, emotional loss because we're disconnected. Um, There's, it's just a mix, a, a mixed bag of grief and loss, but there are ways to move through that in a way to maintain your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, by finding those things that bring you joy, that give you a sense of contentment, regardless of where we are. Yes, I am loving all of that. And that is so good because I've never heard anyone break down joy like that. And that is helpful. (laughs) It is, it is. So it's like when you know better, you can do better, right? Mm -hmm. When you don't have the tools, then you kind of feel stuck. But once somebody gives you the tools and the resources, then you're able to to, to help yourself. You're able to, to move forward. Yes, definitely. Now, before we signed off, I wanted you to either give us a motivational quote or some words of encouragement for us real happy moms. Oh, yes. So I am a big proponent of protecting your peace, right? And, and I feel like this ties into grief and loss as well. Um, when you Uh, find that thing. When you find either some quiet time or, you know, uh, painting or whatever it is that that brings you that joy and that contentment, hold on to it. I mean, be selfish about it because it's so 
it's difficult sometimes to really tap into that, especially when your heart is broken. You know, it was hard for me to, um, to begin to re-engage with my sons because I was so hurt and I was so broken about the loss of the pregnancy. It was hard for me to enjoy what was right there in front of me. And it wasn't like I had an option. Those babies needed their mama. So I had to figure out a way to um, really allow the grief to move and do what it needed to do inside of me. But at the same time, you know, not detaching myself from the joy that was in front of me. So protecting your peace to me looks like anything that keeps you plugged into that source of joy and contentment. And when you see a trigger that's going to take you on a sharp left turn, you you cut it off at the pass. You know, so that's one thing I I, am an advocate for protecting your peace for um, and I don't even want to say it in the way where it says, you know, just things that don't serve you, because it's not always about things that serve you. It's about your mental health. Right. It's about you being able to function and show up in a world as your authentic self and the things that threaten that those are the things that you put away. That's what I mean by protecting your peace. Anything that is going to uh, threaten or um, come between you being and showing up as your authentic self is, is something that you should put away. So protect your peace, ladies, mamas, protect your peace. (laughs) Yes. And amen to that one. (laughs) Now, if we want to connect with you, learn more about you online, where can we find you? Oh, my goodness. I love making new friends on social media. I am on Instagram as Kwani Boo, and um, that's two ends and boo at the end, Kwani Boo. And it's so funny. I don't know how I got that nickname, but it just kind of stuck. And I don't think I'm ever going to change it. So <laughs> that's Instagram. And then um, I'm on Twitter. So I, I have kind of more of my academic, um, you know, social justice advocacy side on Twitter. I do a little bit of it on Instagram too, but I'm definitely more, you know, I go hard to paint on Twitter. And so Twitter is QYARD08. So QYARD08 on Twitter. And then uh, Instagram is kind of more of my, you know, kumbaya type stuff. So, so I'm happy to make friends on both platforms. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll make sure to include those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been so, so good. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. I hope I was able to, you know, bless somebody with something. So for sure. Definitely. All right, now that does it for this episode of the Real Happy Mom Podcast. To find the links and show notes for this episode, head over to realhappymom.com slash 126. That's the number of this episode, episode 126. If you go over there, you'll find everything that we discussed as well as a cliff note version of this episode. If this is something that you know would be helpful for another mom, please, please, please share this with someone that may be going through grief of some type because 
this is a message, like I said earlier, that we don't really talk about much, but Kwani did such a beautiful job of talking about this and making it so that we don't have to be scared of grief. We don't have to run away from grief and we can actually grieve well. So share this with a friend or family member that needs it. If you want to hear more of this, please let me know because I want to bring Kwani back, but I do need to know if this is going to be helpful for you. So you can either send me a message at hello at realhappymom.com or go over to Instagram and send me a DM at realhappymom and just let me know like, hey, Tony Ann, that episode was really helpful. You should definitely do another one. Now that does it for this episode. Make sure you stay tuned for next week for another full episode. Take care and with lots of love.